Um, it's a, it's a, the last uh, series, last sermon in our The People of the Way um, before we hit Easter. And so does this, is this like, what's the Sunday before Easter called? It's Palm Sunday, yeah? Happy Palm Sunday, all right? <laughs> oh, these Christian traditions and things are, are not, not high, high items in, in my culture. We don't normally know what happens and, you know, when's the ashes thrown for the Wednesdays and when's the, um, you know, when's the, the Tuesdays before this, this, that days and those things. So I'm, I'm happily to be informed when I miss something that there was, you know, a, a, a particular name Sunday that went by. Um, luckily we caught today. It's a Palm Sunday, Sunday before Easter. And so we want to invite you all to our Easter services and we want to invite you and encourage you to invite some of your friends over to come and enjoy our Easter service as well. Um, Gabe, if you can take, take a look at that little thing there for us and see what you can do about it. And if there's nothing to do about it, then we're just going to rebuke it in Jesus' name and ask it to go away. All right. Last week, we spoke about the way of Jesus being the way of total surrender. The week, second week we spoke, we spoke about Jesus, um, the way of Jesus being spirit-filled, spirit-led, and spirit-empowered. And in week three, we spoke about the way of Jesus being that of servanthood and servant leadership. How incredible is it not that we serve a God that came to serve us? He did not come to, um, uh, to subject us. He came to serve us, and we willingly subject our lives to Him uh, to obtain salvation through our faith. Wait, wait, wait! I, 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 I need to do something first. Can, can I just brag on my parents, right, Mom and Dad? Would you just stand up for us? I almost forgot to do that. So, y'all, this is this is my uh, my father and mother. They're from South Africa. And um, <clears throat> in South Africa, we don't call our in-laws Mr. and Mrs. We call them mom and dad. Um, and that's what they are. They are mom and dad to us. They're actually my in-laws. They're Esther's parents. Um, just so you guys can understand why this lady looks like Esther. And, <laughs> and why I am double the height of that guy. <laughs> I did not come from the Eloians, but we have been, we have been joined for sure. Um, Thank you for ministering here with us, Mom. Thank you for praying for the people while we were sitting. And uh, we can, you guys can, can visit with them after service, and they're going to be here for two months, so you're going to get tired of them soon. <laughs> They'll be around. They'll be around. That's what I meant to say. Um, yeah, and if, if, if there's anybody that exemplifies servant leadership, it's those two people right there. Um, I can honestly say that I have had more lessons in Christian lifestyle from them than I have from any training course or any school that I've been in and been to. And uh, so I just want to honor you guys. Um, and I'm so glad you're here. <laughs> we are, it's been three years. It's crazy. Okay. <clears throat> so we've been talking about this concept or this idea and this, this, this thing in the Bible that says that the early Christians weren't called Christians um, at first. They were known as the people of the way. And I remind us every Sunday that remember the culture of the time was a Jewish culture. It was an extremely devout, extremely benevolent, and an extremely religious culture. And yet somehow these followers of Jesus managed to distinguish themselves in such a way that they, began, they became known as the people of the way. 
something about them stood out. And as we've discussed that it wasn't merely their desire to be good. There was power in their testimony. There was power in the way they walked. There was um, the Holy Spirit's presence that showed up when they came into a place. My goodness, the one guy would walk past people and his shadow would go over people and they would be healed. There was something different about these people and they, became, they began, became known as the people of the way. And we've been investigating what does it mean to be people of the way? What would distinguish us from an already religious culture, a culture that already deems itself good, benevolent, striving for the betterment of themselves and for others. How would we distinguish ourselves in such a way that we would exemplify Jesus' lifestyle, that we would be able to model and show and be the example of what it means to be a true follower of Christ. And that's where we realize that life of surrender, where Jesus becomes the leader of our lives, is important because we find so many people that are so still in control of their own lives. They, they dictate their own schedules. They dictate their own decisions. They have not fully submitted themselves to the leadership and the authority of Jesus Christ, even though he said before he went away that all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And, have, and, and, and sent us as the church on our mandate to go and make disciples. We saw that Jesus was spirit-led, spirit-filled, and spirit-empowered. And, 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 and how it's our pursuit as individuals to live spirit-led. To make sure that we pursue the Holy Spirit as the, thir the third person of the Godhead. In the same capacity and urgency as we pursue a relationship with God our Father. And relationship with Jesus Christ. And that we are filled with the Spirit. And that we are empowered by the Spirit. So that we can go out and live the lifestyle that is required to fulfill the mandate that He has placed on our lives. And then the second, last one we saw, how that distinguishing ourselves as servant leadership. Being the example and not trying to be the exception. Stop trying to be famous and just live involved in somebody else's life. And learn how to make disciples through serving people. Is, uh, um, is, is, is how we model Jesus to this culture around us. So today I want to um, sp speak about a specific um, parable that Jesus used to explain something in Scripture. It's the parable about the, um, the Good Samaritan. And we'll get there in a second. And we're going to take some, some, um, some, some principles out of it. But let me start off by just first talking about this principle of following Jesus. In Matthew 4, verse 18 to 20, it says this. One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. These boys grew up on those waters. They've been fishing for their whole lives, and that was their occupation as well. Jesus called out to them, come follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. Now we know that there was an extremely incredible happening in, uh, in one of the other gospels. How you know, Jesus had them fish and throw their fish in there. And, and, and they catch, got this incredible uh, catch. But the bottom line is Jesus calls them to follow him. Right? One thing I love about fish right, is they don't, they don't talk back. Right? Once they're in your boat, they don't 
you know, and they're in the, in the net and they're in the kind of like, you know, the life, the life well where I keep them. Um, they, they stay there, you know. Uh, it's easy to, to catch fish. It's not as easy to catch men. Because you can catch one now and then around the next corner, he decides, okay, no, no, I'm going somewhere different right now. <laughs> but Jesus called these men to come and learn how to fish for people. Now, if you think about it, they have been living in this place for their whole lives. They were familiar with their surroundings. They knew how the routine went. You know, they knew when to wake up. They knew where to go to. They knew where to find their equipment. They knew what was broken, what was not broken. They knew how to launch out into the ocean. They have seen every condition that that place could give. Wild waters, calm waters, windy waters, just baking sun. They've experienced it all. They know that ocean. It's familiar. They've done it. They can almost do it with their eyes closed. And here comes Jesus and says to them, look, I want you to follow me. But the problem is, is that you're going to leave all known comforts. You're going to leave everything that you've learned gives you a sense of control, gives you a sense of safety, gives you a sense that you're familiar with what's happening around you. And he says, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. But in that minute, they say yes to something that is so new that they've never heard it before. Or at least it has never been asked of them to do. And they said yes to leave those um, familiar waters, to follow Jesus into the literally the unknown. And I don't know how many of you have watched that series called The Chosen. It's a series that's, um, you know, just showcasing the life of Jesus with his disciples. It's an incredibly real series. And it shows so many real aspects of humanity that, um, <laughs> that we sometimes miss when we read the Bible. Like how confused the disciples were most of the time. <laughs> it was just incredible. Jesus said, let's go here. But it, was, uh, it felt like, also in Scripture, it looks like Jesus wasn't very... Like detailed. He wasn't the guy that had the huddle and says, okay, this is what's going to happen next. And you're going to do this and you're going to do this. All right, let's break on three. One, two, three, break. And everybody went and does what they did. No, he was just kind of like, come follow. Come see. You know, and we tell kids, you know, come see. You know, and then we expect them to dutifully just, you know, show up. And then, you know, we'll tell them once they have come to see. Um, Jesus was like, come see. <laughs> but then he he, he walks into the unknown and he expects them to just continue to come and see, observe, learn. And then, hey, why don't you go do this? All right, I'll go do this. Go do this. Get back. Give the report. But they, it looks like they didn't have a complete picture. In fact, we see how often they struggle amongst themselves to, 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 to figure out who's going to be the best and who's going to be the greatest and who's going to be like Jesus' right-hand man when he sits on the throne. And they all think that there's going to be an earthly kingdom and an earthly war that's building up to some, you know, some of them were, were, were called zealots. And they, they, they were literally like the, rev, the revolutionists of, of today, you know. Um, they were ready to take up arms to defend Jesus and, and to fight for this kingdom that, you know, they wanted to overthrow the Romans. And so th they were really clueless, they didn't have an idea. And when Jesus says, I'm going to die, they were like, mm, I think he had a brain fart. Okay, let's move on. What's, what's next, Jesus? They just couldn't comprehend where he was going with them. 
How often do we fail to ask Jesus properly, where are you going? So let me tell you this. If you say yes to Jesus, he's probably not going where you were going. He is most probably heading into a different direction than what you had for you, planned for your life. And if you've not clarified, what is the difference between your future for me and my future for me? I don't think you've fully understood what he said to you when he said, come see. And it's necessary for us to realize that God has a plan for our lives. And if it's going to serve his kingdom, then it's probably not going to serve our kingdom. Right? Everyone, all of us are building a little kingdom for ourselves, right? Where we, you know, have and express everything that we like, how we want it done. That's how we exercise dominion. It's born into us as humanity. You know, I, I want certain things at my house and I want it to look a certain way. And so I take dominion over my little acre that I have there. And I try to get it as much as I can to look the way I want it to look. And I'm trusting, you know, that I would be able to change whatever is not looking the way I want it to look to eventually look like I want it to look. I am imprinting my view of how that needs to be on that patch of land. We all do that. We're all building a little kingdom. My question is, is that little kingdom lining up with God's idea for your life? I'm busy studying. I've got this idea of my career. This is what I'm going to do with my life. This is the amount of money I want to make. You know, this is the amount of business I want to have. Building that kingdom. But what if Jesus says, I need you to come serve me in full-time ministry? Are you going to be able to put down that kingdom that you're building and respond to his leadership. That, that was me, by the way. <laughs> I had this grand plan where I was going to live at the beach, swim with dolphins, and surf my way to heaven. Uh, Jesus had other plans. <laughs> no, seriously, I wanted to be a marine biologist, right? I wanted to be at the ocean and dive and, and, and do all of that studying of the animals and things like that. And Jesus said, animals are good, but I need you to work with people. I'm like, Really? <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> he, oh, glo glo in a glorious way, interrupted my life, and it sent me in a whole different, on a whole different path. And I'm still trying to figure out everything that He has called me to. It's a lifelong discovery. Why? Because He's just saying, "Come see." He didn't tell me the whole. I would never have imagined that I would be living in America right now. Yet here I am, and it has all been in God's plan. And 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 if I've if I think of it, like, he's given me clues about it. Like, he told me, but I would be like, mm, that must have been a brain fart. I'm not going to live overseas. I'm called to this country, right? We all do that. But it's important that we realize that the kingdom of God is calling each and every one of us to participate in its agenda. And it requires your agenda to be flexible. The Bible says, man plans this way but the lord directs his steps here's the thing build your kingdom plan your plans have your dreams but have it and hold it lightly because god can switch on you and if you're not if you're not attentive to that he might move a different direction than what you want and then you'll be frustrated because his his power is not supporting our agendas it's there to support his agenda 
And the more you align to his agenda, the more you feel the wind of the Spirit in your sails. So when, um, when Jesus called these guys to follow him, it was like basically every day they would go out and they'd be out there in the ocean. It'd be quiet. They would have nobody to deal with. It would just be the fish, the sea, the boat, and the good clean air. And then the next thing they know, they're uh, with Jesus traveling throughout the region of Galilee, says verse 23, where he was teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. And then news about him spread as far as Syria. And people began to bring the sick to him. And guess what they were? They were crowd control. Right? And whatever their sickness or disease, if they were demon-possessed or epileptic or paralyzed, he healed them all. And so for the first little bit there, it's like chaos. It's like, what happened to my serene environment i was just you know happily catching fish out there in the deep blue sea and all of a sudden here i am and i'm witnessing things and it's amazing but my goodness it's hard because there's issues the minute you gather people you're gathering issues i have issues i know each of you have issues and when we get together we're bringing all that together and and it it takes it takes something different than just me building my little kingdom for my little future to be able to see God's will happen in that scenario. And Jesus models something that is just incredible. You know what? Every time they bring the sick to him, he would spend time with them. He would heal them. He would pray for them. He would listen to them. And then he'd get tired. The Bible says he would get into a boat. He would go to a different region. And before he even got there, word spread that he's going there and there is a crowd there waiting for him. He went there to rest. And the next minute he's been called upon to minister again. The Bible says Jesus had compassion on them. Jesus had compassion on them. And he healed their sick. And he drove demons out of them. And he preached the good message of the kingdom of God. When we said yes to Jesus to follow him for our salvation, we also said yes, whether we wanted to or not, we also said yes to his future for us. We said yes to his kingdom coming to our lives and his authority becoming reality in our lives. We said yes to that. And there's the saying, we say, you, 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 you can't accept Jesus as your Savior and not as your Lord. He's not available to be just your Savior and not your Lord. Because for him, it's not, a, it's not a religion. It's not you just agreeing with him. No, for him, it's you submitting under him. It's you coming into his rulership. It's you coming into his kingdom. And so when you say yes to Jesus, you say yes to his guidance. You say yes to his plan for your life. But the beauty of it is that that plan, even though right now you might not know a thing about it, and it might seem so disruptive, and it might look like, man, this isn't what, all, what I have planned. That plan, if you will allow it, will flesh out to be the best thing you could have ever done with your 100 years on earth. The best thing you could have done. Do I regret now not being a beach bum, you know, surfing and diving with dolphins? 
Well, that's a hard one. (laughs) Honestly, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Do I still want to do that? Yeah. And will I still get a chance to do that? I don't know. Maybe. But even if I don't, this right here, being with y'all, walking with y'all through whatever it is, all the things that we go through has been the, the, the most invigorating, the most exciting adventure that we could have ever chosen to do. And that's how God wants each and every one of us to be with Him. He is calling you into an adventure for your life that if you will say yes to it, will, it'll transform you into somebody you never thought you could be. He will make you into a person that you love and like more than you could ever thought that you would have loved and liked yourself. And He will use you to do such incredible things. But it all starts with that yes, saying yes to Him. Jesus modeled for us what it means to live this kind of life that will distinguish us from just normal traditional religion and it involves this fact that he had compassion on the people that he was ministering to so for us to to see where god is going and for us to be able to 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 do what he has called us to do we have to learn how to live with sacrificial love we have to live we have to learn that this road that he that he has for us this path that he has chosen for us it will require certain things to be given up. It will. And if anybody have told you that, you know, you can, you can do it differently and, 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 and not, not need to, to, to give up certain things, that I don't believe they've given you a biblical message. Jesus requires us at times to give things up, to be able to follow him. But when we do, we start seeing the incredible adventure unfold in front of us and the beauty of that plan coming to fruition. Lives being changed, people being healed, situations being corrected, injustices being dealt with. Beautiful things starts happening. Don't you want to be involved in a life that is worth more, that is pointed and relevant to eternity that involves other people being changed and helped through your participation rather than just be all about me and all about you. I've always desired to be a part of something that's bigger than just me. And I hope you are too. Because I know sometimes people are just not. But let me tell you something. Your life is meant for so much more. You do get to decide. It's how He made us. I implore you to not live your life and spend your life on you because it's a waste to just spend your life on you. God needs us to live bigger-minded, bigger-hearted, and 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 and. Let's get into what I need to say here today for us to understand what he's wanting of us to, to be able to live sacrificially. It's going to require us to give up certain things, to give up control over certain things. 
So let's read from Luke 10. We're going to spend the rest of the sermon in Luke 10, and we're going to look at um, this parable that Jesus taught. But this is like the, the, the back story of, of why he told that story. Verse 26 says, One day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to, eternal, to inherit eternal life? So let me just say something about this question. He's asking, what's the minimum standard? He's asking, what gets me in? What he was also saying is, I ain't doing nothing else. <laughs> Hear how Jesus responds to him. Well, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him. Do this and you will live. But the man wanted to justify his actions. And so he said, who is my neighbor? Love your neighbor as yourself. So who is my neighbor? He wanted to stay in control. Because he had just basically said that I need to live my life in full service and sacrificial love to other people. But he knew that there was something that Jesus was withholding. When, and then Jesus says, go and do that. You'll, you'll be fine. But he didn't want to do that. He just wanted to know what's the minimum standard. What gets me in? And so he tried to gain control of the situation back by asking a very, like, you know, clever question. Okay, who's my neighbor? In other words, if I do it to this one guy, is that enough? Does that count? Is that, is that good? Is that the minimum that I need to do? Is it okay for me to just, you know, go and, and, you know, give a meal to somebody that looks homeless? Is it okay for me to just, you know, go and give a little bit of money to that organization? What's the minimum thing that gets me in? Just tell me and I'll do it. So Jesus starts telling a story to tell this person basically that, man, you're, you're trying to be the Lord of your own life still. For if you would have let me be the Lord of your life, you would not have asked the question, what's the minimum getting in? You would have said, here I am, Lord. Send me. Wherever you want me, send me. Let's listen to the story. Luke 10 verse 30 to 33 says this. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem. So, 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 so Jesus tells the story, right, to this guy who's asking, who's my neighbor? Neighbor. He says, a Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. And they stripped him of his clothes, they beat him up, and they left him half dead beside the road. And by chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and just kept going. He passed him by. So let's stop at that little, little portion there. Jesus is, he is modeling how to live a sacrificial love, how to, be, how to have compassion for people, how to live with others in mind. And he says to this, to this person, 
immediately calling out one of the top religious figures, say, there's something that our religious culture tells us to do that just don't cut it. That just don't cut it. So Jesus is driving towards something, and what he's, what he's wanting us to start seeing is four things. He wants us to see that we should live with open eyes, open hearts, open hands, and, 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 and open wallets. And I'm going to run through those four things with us today from this story. Because this will help us to practically know how do I give up control of my life and actually sacrificially be willing to give up things to love people and show Jesus to them. To show them that there is a better way. To show them the way to, na- to, know, to know God. So let me tell you about this high official, this, this, this person called a priest. Priests had the first five books of the Bible memorized. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. They could quote it. How many of you have ever read Leviticus from back to front? They could quote it. Well done. They could quote Leviticus. Okay, They could quote it. And not just Leviticus. They could quote all the way from the beginning of Genesis all the way to the end of Deuteronomy. Some of y'all are wondering, who is Deuteronomy? Deuteronomy was nobody. I don't know why it's called Deuteronomy, but it's just it's what it's, the book in the Bible is called that. They had this book, all the information memorized, right? They were experts in Old Testament law. They knew exactly what they needed to do to live holy according to the law of God. And yet this guy, with all of his knowledge and all of his title and position, lacked an incredible thing. He closed his eyes to a person that was in need, a countryman that was in need. Now, according to Jewish law, if he touched that man, he would have been deemed unclean himself. And if he was on his way, returning from Jerusalem, where he purified himself to go back to his parish to go perform his religious duties at his synagogue, that would have meant that he had to help that guy then go back to Jerusalem, spend another period of time in Jerusalem purifying himself again so that he could go back and then... So I'm already hearing him saying, well, if I help this guy... And I go back and I purify myself and I come down this road again and lo and behold, the next day there's another guy. I'll never get back to my responsibilities. Sound familiar? All right. So he, you know, throws a blind eye and he keeps going. The third, the second person comes along. He's a temple assistant. Verse 32, a temple assistant walked over, looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. So, so temple assistants were to priests what you would refer to as a, 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 you know, a mall cop being to a, a, you know, a real police officer, right? They were, <laughs> they were considered not, not the real deal, okay? Uh, I don't know if there are any mall cops in here. Hopefully I'm in the country and we don't have mall cops. I didn't offend anybody. But the bottom line is that they were not yet priests. They were assistants. And uh, yet this guy, as an intern, should know what it means to serve. He's an assistant. That's kind of what they do, right? (laughs) They serve. (laughs) 
And yet he too comes and sees and, and passes by. And then it says, verse 33, a despised Samaritan. So let me just explain something here. Samaritans were considered half-breed Jews. Okay? So it means that they were, they were, they were mixed-raced. Mixed-raced people. They, they had their Jewish, one Jewish parent that was probably apostate from the faith. And then, a, for instance, a Canaanite or some kind of Philistine other parent. And, and they were considered they were considered abominable like they didn't jewish people saw themselves superior to samaritans horrible but it's 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 how how it was in that time and so jesus (laughs) is in an audience of jews he's speaking to jewish people so think of a way that you can be most offensive in you know a culture jesus picks that way to talk here right He says, so a despised Samaritan comes along, and when he saw the man, he had compassion for him. And it says that he came, and he he started looking after the man. The interesting thing here is that we would think that, or they in that context thought that they were better than Samaritans, right? And how often have we felt ourselves to be better than people? Even when we see other people taking care of some that have been going through a lot, maybe are you know, in not the best economic situation, Jesus is really confronting us here about our prejudices really really confronting us and he's asking us the question how do you look at people when you look at people what do you see do you see the situation that they're in and find it something that you don't want to get involved in when you see people do you find it something that's going to inconvenience you Because if we're anything human, we all have a proclivity of wanting to avoid discomfort and avoid interruption to our plans. But when you learn to see like Christ, you learn to look past things. You don't see levels in society. You don't see categories of humans. And it's a value of this church that we don't do that. That's why everybody feels welcome here and everybody feels welcomed. And we cherish and protect that value. And anybody who wants to be recognized as being more than anybody else here, they're going to be given a towel and asked to serve the very people that they think that they're better than. Because like we learned last week, the way of Jesus is taking up a towel rather than a title. Every one of us in this church who has a title has a responsibility, has a towel that they need to use to help clean other people, help serve other people, help dry tears, help clean up messes. That's just the way we build. 
But Jesus is asking us to look differently at people. He's asking us to see beyond the external categories and levels that society have taught us, taught us to consider when we look at people. And he has asked us to serve them nonetheless. Now it's easy to think that, okay, so you want me to go to the down and out and serve the least. Yes, I do. But don't forget, God also wants you to go and serve the riches of the rich. And I've often asked y'all in, in this place, is who do you despise in Crowley or Rain or Esterwood or Iota? Who do you have a beef with? Well, all these families in town, they just want to control everything for themselves. You will never reach what you're critical of. As Christians, we're called to walk a different way. We're called to reach all people. The pompous rich and the absolute distraught down and out. And the way we do it is by ourselves looking differently at people, seeing people differently. When Jesus looked at the woman at the well, the people saw a prostitute. He saw an evangelist. When Jesus saw Matthew, people saw a greedy traitor, tax collector. Jesus saw his disciple, a writer of a gospel that will bless generations of Christians to come. Love reading the book of Matthew. When Jesus saw Peter and John, uneducated common men, fishermen, Jesus saw in them leaders of his church, future world changers. People thought Lazarus was a dead man. Jesus saw an opportunity to tell the truth about who he was. What do you see when you see a crowd? Oh, why do I, I want to avoid crowds. <laughs> Jesus saw it harvest. <laughs> what do you see when you see children? Inconvenience? Distraction? Let me tell you what, Jesus saw the kingdom of God operating and then asked us all to be like children toward our Father. I tell you, children is not a distraction in this church. They're our objective. If we don't reach them, we close our doors in a generation. Start valuing children, seeing them the way Jesus sees them. God, help us reach our kids. Help us reach the next generation more and more. I would love for us to be a church that refuses to let anybody go unseen. So we need to live with open eyes. The second thing, if we're going to live with sacrificial love and we're going to live a life that allows the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us and we have to gonna give up control of what our lives are going to be, how it's going to look, where it's going to go, we need to live with open hearts toward other people. The Bible says this Samaritan man felt compassion toward this Jew. Now listen to me. The Samaritan man knew that this Jew probably looked down on him. It's easy when your enemy goes through a hard time to go, 
We'll get you some. Right? Not us. Serve those who despise you. Serve those who use you. Think of, think of your, your workplace where you might be you know, treated unjustly. and uh, Serve. Love them. Pray for them. Speak the truth to them in a way that they could take it. Benefits you nothing if you just blanketly offend them with the truth. That does not come from a heart of compassion. That's from a heart of I told you so or retribution or spitefulness. That's not fruit of the Holy Spirit, y'all. This man felt compassion. And God wants us to feel compassion for our world. Open up your heart and let your heart ache for the things that God heart, God's heart ache about. You know why the world feels the church is so judgmental? It's not because we disagree, but it's because we don't get involved. We stand from afar and we critique. But when you take somebody's hand and you love on that person and then tell them what you did here, this is not honoring to God, that's a completely different thing. But if you stand from afar and you just throw these things, that's not honoring to God, that's not God's way. It's not because of what you say, it's because of where you stand when you say it. God is calling us to open up our hearts and to allow people into our lives and to get involved in people's lives. It's easy to fix this issue in your life. Just do what Dr. Martin Luther King did. He said, I imagine that the first question the priest and the Levite asked was, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? Don't we ask that question. If I get involved in this now, what's going to happen to me? It's going to inconvenience me. It's going to cause me to not be able to go and do what I wanted to do. But the Good Samaritan reversed the question. And so ask yourself this question when you see somebody in need. I, if I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to him? If I do not get involved in my child's school, what's going to happen to those kids? If I do not get in involved in that person's life, what's going to happen to his marriage? What's going to happen to his kids? Open heart. Jesus had a burden for the lost. He said, I came for them. The healthy don't need a doctor. It's the sick who needs a doctor. I came to seek and save those who are lost. The third thing to help us to live sacrificially is to live with open hands. We need to get our hands dirty. Look at what verse 34 says. It says, going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds. Now listen to me. He didn't soothe, his, he didn't carry a medikit. Nobody carries a medikit. Okay, Lance carries a medikit with him every day, everywhere he goes. Nobody, he used whatever was normal in his existence. He carried with him what? Things that he would use for his life. He had olive oil and wine. Bible says he soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine. 
Wine has alcohol in it. Wine, the alcohol would help purify those wounds. Olive oil has the, the bonding properties that would help that, that, that wound starting to seal. He just took what he had. So often we go, oh, but I'm not a professional. I can't, I'm not a counselor. I can't get it all. What do you have in your hand to give? Everybody has something to add benefit to others with. Even if it is just an ear to listen. And if you're sitting in this room, it means that you have that to give. So often us as Christians, we're so, you know, <laughs> we're just not Christians. We're, we're, we're religious. Oh, I'll pray for you, brother. Okay, but I really want it was just somebody that could sit with me and, and talk. All I'm saying is that it's so easy for us to close our hearts, to close our hands, because we find every other reason not to use what God has placed on the inside of us, to live sacrificially. But Jesus called us into this adventure. You know the beauty and the amazing thing that happens when you see, there's nothing like it when you see, when you get involved in somebody's life and you start seeing their lives blossom. They get over what they've struggled with. They get free from that thing that has been holding them back. There's nothing more rewarding than knowing that somebody's life has gotten right, right with Jesus because you ministered to them, because you prayed with them, you walked with them, you preached the gospel to them, you led them to the Lord through prayer in their living room maybe, or wherever else, in the boardroom. Don't limit what God can do through you. The last thing God wants us to notice here is that in Luke 35, he says, the next day he went and took him to the innkeeper and, and he stayed there. The next day he gave the innkeeper money, two silver coins, and it says, it says to him, take care of this man. Keep remembering the context. This is a Jew. And he is a Samaritan. He knows that this man probably also has prejudice toward him. The Bible says he had compassion. And he was willing to live with sacrificial love because that's the way Jesus lived with us. This man opened his wallet to help this person out in his time of need. Open eyes, open hearts, open hands, open wallets. You know what can happen with an open wallet? Something can be put into it. He used his own money and resources to help this you. Now let me just brag on our church here for a second. We have an extremely generous church. I don't know if it's just this culture, but I do know it's our people. Because many times I've been, hurt, I've been you know, told, holler if you need anything. And the many times I've needed something and I've asked, and no questions asked, been helped, it's incredible. We have incredible people. Here's my only caveat to that. I hope that you don't only direct that to somebody that is in a position of value toward you. I hope you also direct that to people that has no intrinsic value for you. And also toward people who might not value you. 
This man gave from his own pocket and he says to him, take care of this man and if his bill runs higher, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. That's a spirit of generosity that this man had. And I wish for our whole church that we would live with this kind of generosity. So Jesus asked the man, now which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who attacked the bandits? The man asked, who is my neighbor? Jesus asks, who was a neighbor to? Jesus always flips the script. See, the question isn't who is your neighbor? Because the answer is, your neighbor is the one to whom you are a neighbor to. That means it can be anybody that you will have compassion for. Which of these three was a neighbor, to, was, was his neighbor? And the man replied, the one who showed him mercy. The one who showed him mercy. And then Jesus says to him, comes back all the way to the first thing. Now go do the same. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Paul. Now go do the same. I want us to just evaluate our own hearts. Where we at with regards to this story? Are we, are we one of the first two religious individuals that just had full control about how they served God weren't really interested in, in allowing people's needs to come in the way of their service to the Lord oh, I'll tell you what this is one of the biggest things we we think God values our service to Him over obedience he does not Bob is very clear he values obedience over what we perceive to be our service to him God has so little to do with religion it's not even funny God is so real he's so normal And we have to fight, 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 fight our mindsets in this culture that always puts God in a box. Oh, it's that Christian thing again. Oh, it's that church thing again. And if you're here and you've in any form or way have an image of God that is not an incredible personal father that loves, supports, affirms, and builds, and laughs, and jokes, and have fun, and is inviting you into an incredible journey, then you have been influenced by a culture that views God as aloof, judgmental, angry, not interested, not concerned with who you are, not concerned with where you're at. And I'm here to tell you today that that is not the God that we serve. Because the God we serve met each and every one of us in a real way where we were at. This is a God that saves all kind of people. 
My goodness, he even saves engineers. Think about that. Those guys have it all figured out, right? He even saves lawyers. My goodness. And tries to teach those boys how to not just... He even saves skateboarders and goths, heavy metal artists. He saves all kind of people because he's a, he's a real God. He saves people with tattoos. He saves people with piercings. He saves people with clean skin. He saves people who wear flip-flops and Crocs. My goodness, he's loving. And he saves people with weird hair. And bald people. And gray people. He saves black people. He saves white people. He saves Spanish people. He saves Chinese people. And the funny thing is he's able to relate with each of those people in their own culture to make them make sense to him. What a God we serve. He does not ask you to conform to a specific culture. He asks you to conform to His love and His image for you. I see, our church world has gotten this so wrong. Telling people, no, if you're going to come here, you have to let go of all those things. And we've missed the fact that God is a God of all kind of people. God is a good God. And He wants you to seriously consider letting Him into your life. And I know that there are some of you here who haven't let Him into your life yet. And that's okay. I just ask you to continue to come. Because at some point you're going to realize that this loving God also wants to be your God, your loving God. He wants you to give Him a chance. And if you will open up your heart to Him just a little bit, He'll start proving to you that it's, that it's what you were made for. This is what you were made for. You were made to walk in a relationship with Him. So I'm asking all of you to not miss anybody in your city. We need people with open eyes, hearts, hands, and wallets in Gaydon, in Rain, in Iota, in Esterwood, in Kaplan, Church Point. I live in Crowley. I see people in Crowley 95% of the time. You live in Rain. I don't see rainites that might that much. You keep your eyes open to them. You keep your heart, your hand, your wallet open to them. Get involved in their lives. You know what people appreciate more than an invite? It's involvement. Let's go have coffee. Come have dinner by our place. Hey, we're cooking gumbo. You want to come and join? Come on, we're a culture that loves having people at our places, right? 
that is how we get people involved in our lives. Don't make a gumbo without inviting an, a, another family. Sometimes y'all think, and it's a, a beauty of this culture is that it's so honoring toward authority. But sometimes you think that the best thing you can do with your gumbo is to invite me and my family. Now, don't get me wrong. I like a good gumbo. Especially if it's an okra gumbo. By y'all, I can only have that much, that much gumbo. Please invite people that are on the edge that might not have found their place here finally. Like, oh, well, they want to be involved, but like, they're still feeling like, man, we're new. We Invite people into your life. Don't miss anybody because everybody was on Jesus' mind when He hung on that cross. Every single person. So I implore you, as we live sacrificially, with sacrificial love, we will see people respond to God's love. Because sometimes people just need a tangible experience of what it is that we're saying to them we know to be true on the inside. Y'all get it? All right, let's stand to our feet today. Right there where you are, I want you to, to just imagine yourself inviting somebody, involving somebody in something of your life. If you like fishing, allow the Holy Spirit right there where you are. If you, whatever it is that you love doing, getting your nails done, going for a, a spa day, just love to build things at your house. Imagine you having an opportunity like that and you invite somebody to come and join. Who is it that you invite? They could be in the church. They could not be in the church. Who is it that you invite to come along to do that, to spend time with you? Maybe God is showing you somebody that you've been seeing, but you've going to the other side of the road trying to avoid the, the discomfort that it might bring if you get involved make that your assignment this week to go get involved Holy Spirit I know that you're speaking to each and every one of us you're not missing any one of us you're not missing any one of our hearts you see each and every one of us. Because God is, is really <laughs> speaking to each and every one of us. If you've never really given Him a chance, if you've never really decided that you will, you will start putting your hand in His hand to help guide you, lead you, even if it doesn't mean a full commitment and you just want to say, okay, Lord, I'll give, you a, I'll give you a chance. I want you to pray that prayer today. Lord, I'll give you a chance. And if you want to, if you want to just take a step here today that's bold, that says, Lord, I want to, I want to become a, one of your children. I want to step into a relationship with you. 
I've seen enough. I know that you're a good God and I know what Jesus did on the cross for my sake. And I, I want to finally just say, okay, Lord, I'm going to commit to letting you be my leader. As we're, as we're closing our eyes and praying, and won't you just lift your hand right now where you are? Say, Lord, I'm ready. I'm ready to let you lead. I see that hand. Anybody else want to say, Lord, I'm finally ready to let you lead. Thank you at the back. Maybe this is a, a struggle, like a wrestle on the inside of your heart that you've been wrestling for so long with. You've been here and you've just never really truly said, okay, Lord, oh, I give up. You can take the wheel. I'll, I'll give you control of my life. I want to invite you to take that step of faith and just tell them right now. If that's you, raise your hand right now and we'll conclude you in this prayer as well. Thank you. I see those two hands. I see that hand in the back there. Thank you, man. If you put up your hand, you can let it down again. I want you to pray this prayer deep, deep, deep in your heart here today. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And I don't want it to just be words that you say. I want it to be something that you say from the bottom of your heart. Because it has to be a commitment, a decision that you make yourself today to put your faith in Him. When you do that, the Bible says a miracle will take place and you will be born again. You'll become a child of God. Your nature will change and you will want to serve Him. He'll write His laws on your hearts and you will want that. You'll have the desire to want to obey Him, know Him, walk with Him. So we're all going to pray this together. And if that was you, you raised your hand. You need to pray this out loud from the bottom of your heart. Let's all join together and pray this prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you that you met me here today. Thank you for your son, Jesus, who paid the price for my sin. So I don't have to pay it. I believe in you, Jesus. I believe that you died for me and that you rose from the dead for me. And I decide today to commit my life to your leadership. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for every person that has just sincerely prayed that prayer here today. That today marks a, a moment in their journey with you where they step out of just doing something because it's the right thing to do to doing something because they've come to personal knowledge of Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior because they've today become children of God having been born not of the will of man but the will of the Spirit of God that have included them and given them the right to be called children of God because of their faith because of your today God their journey with you begins Lead them, Father, and guide them every step of the way, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.